You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, September 25th, and I'm here for the next 15 to 20 minutes to recap Ohio State's surprising 52 to 21 blowout win over the Wisconsin Badgers in the horseshoe last night. Now look, the Buckeyes delivered the knockout punch early in this one, which was a rare departure from how these games against Wisconsin have historically played out. The Buckeyes took the opening kickoff and immediately went 88 yards on six plays to score the game's first touchdown on a two-yard run by Mayan Williams. On the ensuing Wisconsin possession, Graham Mertz was intercepted by Tanner McAllister, who returned the ball 30 yards to the Wisconsin 16-yard line. Two plays later, C.J. Stroud hits Cade Stover for a 13-yard touchdown to put the Buckeyes up 14-0. After the Buckeye defense forces a three and out on Wisconsin's next possession, the Ohio State offense would go back to work, slicing up the Badger defense for 70 yards on seven plays and another touchdown pass from Stroud to Stover, this time from from two yards out on a gorgeous kind of uh, fake bootleg where Stroud sprinted to his right, making it appear he was going to tuck the ball and run, headed straight for the pylon. He drew two Badger defenders in on the play and then threw over them to a wide-open Cade Stover who had slipped behind the defense for an easy catch and score. That put the Buckeyes up 21 to nothing with 3.55 still to play in the first quarter, and the game was basically over at that point. The Buckeyes put up 210 yards of total offense in the first quarter. Stroud was 9 of 10 for 142 yards and two touchdowns in that quarter. Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams combined for 68 yards on nine carries. And the Ohio State defense held a pretty hapless Wisconsin offense to 23 yards on 11 plays. Ohio State would score touchdowns on its first four possessions and then would settle for a field goal on their fifth possession. Wisconsin's only score of the first half was aided by what looked like a phantom pass interference call on freshman corner Jair Brown. Ohio State took a 31-7 lead into the half. C.J. Stroud would lead the Buckeyes on three more scoring drives after halftime, throwing touchdown passes of 12 yards to Julian Fleming and 8 and 32 yards to emerging star Emeka Egbuka. Stroud wasn't quite as sharp after the first quarter, and I think you got to credit Jim Leonard and the Wisconsin defense for making some adjustments to take away some of those easy throws Stroud had earlier in the game. Stroud would finish the night 17 of 27 for 281 yards and five touchdown passes. Not bad, but uh, you know he was only 8 of 17, including his first interception of the season after a near-perfect first quarter. But three of those eight completions went for touchdown passes. So, you know, still pretty damn good. We set a really high bar for Stroud. He sets a high bar for himself. Five touchdown passes against a pretty damn good Badger defense. Still a really nice night for Stroud. I also thought last night was far and away the best performance of the season for the Ohio State running game. Travion Henderson, who we remember played just one series last week against Toledo before leaving with what looked like a foot injury of some kind, and Mayan Williams combined for 222 yards and 32 carries last night against Wisconsin. Williams uh, scored on runs of two and three yards, so he had two touchdowns. Henderson did not have a touchdown. 
Williams also averaged about nine yards a carry last night. He was really, really good. But this was exactly the kind of carry distribution I've been clamoring for all season. 21 carries for Henderson, 11 for Williams. Now, Ryan Day and Tony Alford, as I've said, need to be mindful of Henderson's durability. But in my mind, that is the path to this offense reaching the its ceiling. Henderson is your lead back with Mayan Williams as one hell of a second option, right? I mean, I think Williams perhaps is the best second back in America. I don't think that's hyperbole. It was another dominant performance by the Buckeye offensive line, I thought, too. I have not seen an Ohio State offensive line push a Wisconsin defensive front around like that since probably that 59 to nothing blowout in the 2014 Big Ten title game. To me, watching that game, it felt like Ohio State could have put up 52 points strictly running the ball last night if they wanted. I mean, what a difference having two true guards on your offensive line makes in the run game. The interior of the Ohio State offensive line last night, that's Donovan Jackson, Luke Whipler, and Matthew Jones, all graded over 75 in run blocking, according to PFF. Tight ends Cade Stover and Mitch Rossi also graded out well in run blocking, according to PFF. But I don't think we really need those grades to tell us that, you know, uh, you know how good the offensive line was. I mean, just watching Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams get to the second level practically untouched most of the night should tell you the offensive line was doing a great job. I said it last Sunday in the Toledo postgame pod, the offensive line is only starting to scratch the surface of what it can be. There's a lot of talent, a lot of elite five-star talent all along that offensive line. And they're just starting to gel in my in my view. I thought Paige made a really interesting comment in the Wednesday pod. He was actually talking about typically what you see from the Wisconsin offensive lines, which is they look like a group of synchronized swimmers when they're playing at their peak. And that's what the Ohio State offensive line looked like last night. Just, you know, beautifully uh, coordinated and, and, and dominant up front and pushed around what was a pretty damn good Wisconsin defensive front, I thought. I continue to revel in the success that Emeka Igbuka is having this season. And Marvin Harrison Jr., he's going to give you more splash plays. By the way, how about Harrison sporting the, the Louis Vuitton cleats in the first half? <laughs> but Igbuka has been Brian Hartline's most consistent receiver all season. Six catches on eight targets for 118 yards and two touchdown catches last night. It was Ibuka's third straight game, over 100 yards receiving. He was just short of 100 yards with 90 against Notre Dame in the opener. Ibuka is Ohio State's leader in receptions with 26 and receiving yards with 442, and he's tied with Harrison Jr. with five touchdown catches this season. He's been every bit as good as I thought he would be this year, and he's been doing it without opposing defenses needing to worry about Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Smith and Jigba did not play again last night. And, you know, on JSN, you know, look, when I heard it was a hamstring issue, I was worried that it would linger. And that's exactly what's happening. And now there are rumors, and they're just rumors at this point, but now there are rumors that JSN's injury could be much more serious than first believed. Again, I hope those are just rumors. But thankfully, Ibuka, Harrison Jr., and now Julian Fleming, who had a career-high 67 yards receiving and another touchdown catch against Wisconsin, give Ohio State the luxury of not really having to worry about JSN's absence. But, you know, would be great to get him back in the fold. They're going to need his playmaking at some point down the line. So in the end, 
52 points, 539 yards of total offense against a Jim Leonard Wisconsin defense. We're not talking about Arkansas State or Toledo here. We're talking about a Wisconsin program that has lived in the top 10 of every defensive statistic that matters since Leonard became the defensive coordinator there in 2017. Now, it might not be up to its usual standard, but that was a good, tough, proud Wisconsin defense that Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud skewered for four quarters last night. And they did it without one of the top 10 or 15 players in the country, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, that has to be frightening for the rest of the Big Ten. It was another good night, I thought, by Jim Knowles' defense. Only 296 yards for the Wisconsin offense. Quarterback Graham Mertz finished with 96 yards passing. Despite the absence of both of Ohio State's starting cornerbacks, Cam Brown and Denzel Burke did not play last night. Burke was spotted with a big wrap of some kind around his right hand. Now, Ryan Day said in the postgame that he's not expecting the injuries to Brown or Burke to be long-term. Thankfully, hopefully that does turn out to be the case. Again, it's hard to take Ryan Day at his word when it comes to injuries, but that's what he said. True freshman Jair Brown, redshirt freshman J.K. Johnson made their first career starts in place of Brown and Burke, and they did okay. I mean, their PFF grades... (laughs) <laughs> we're both pretty bad. And Brown finished with a coverage grade of 56, Johnson 49.7. And Johnson blew a coverage at the very end of the first half that probably should have gone for a Wisconsin touchdown. Thankfully, Tanner McAllister bailed Johnson out on that play, coming off his man to knock the ball away from the Wisconsin receiver at the last second. Uh, by the way, it, it was a nice night for Tanner McAllister. He was Ohio State's second graded defender, both in coverage and tackling last night. He had the big interception of Mertz on Wisconsin's first possession that really, you know, delivered one of the big haymakers earlier in this game. But, you know, I thought it was coaching malpractice by Wisconsin not to test Jair Brown and J.K. Johnson more than they did. You know, I said this in the pregame pod on Wednesday that Wisconsin just, you know, doesn't have a ton of proven playmakers on the outside at receiver to really worry about. And Graham Mertz, quite frankly, has been utterly dreadful against top-tier competition in his career at Wisconsin. So, I don't know. Maybe taking more shots down the field against those young Ohio State corners wouldn't have made much of a difference anyway. I thought Wisconsin's most productive play, and this is a sad state of affairs for their offense, but I thought their most productive play of the the evening was the Wildcat with star tailback Braylon Allen. Allen even had a 10-yard completion out of that formation. I don't know how many times they ran it. It seems like they ran it 10 to 12 times. Now, Allen's final line, 23 carries for 165 yards rushing, looks impressive. But, you know, 75 of that came on his only touchdown run of the game against Ohio State's reserves with seven minutes to play in the Badgers trailing 52 to 14. Through the first three quarters, Allen had 67 yards on 15 carries. And the Buckeyes took a 45-7 lead into the fourth quarter. So he was not a real factor in this game. The Buckeyes did what they needed to do to take Allen out of the game. And, you know, to be fair, Wisconsin was without its starting right and left tackles. So just a rough night all around for Allen and the Wisconsin running game and and the Wisconsin offense in general. But, you know, you got to give credit to Ohio State for doing what they needed to do to take him out of the attack. I thought Tommy Eichenberg 
was fantastic again last night. He is making a real case for first-team All-Big Ten. Eichenberg was Ohio State's top-graded defender, according to PFF, with a grade of 87.9. In 53 snaps, he led the Buckeyes with 14 tackles and two tackles for loss. I also like what I saw to Josh Proctor in this game. Proctor was tied with Steel Chambers for second on the team in tackles against the Badgers last night with six. He finished with a solid PFF grade of 69.4 and had several tackles in the box on Allen. Now, I had wondered going into this game if Jim Knowles would stick to his guns and dare to play with three safeties against this physical Wisconsin run game. And that's what he did. And having a physical player like Proctor at safety allowed Knowles to do that. Ohio State, by the way, was also without Lathan Ransom in this game, who's in the middle of a very, very good junior season. And Ransom was unavailable last night. So that made the play of Proctor all the more important. And it allowed Knowles to stick with his base scheme, playing with three safeties. So really love what I saw out of Proctor and Eichenberg last night. I also mentioned Tanner McAllister earlier. Uh, those three players really stood out to me. And it was it was really great to see my guy, Josh Proctor, uh, play well for the second week in a row. And he's a player that is starting to earn the trust of Knowles. Really, really good to see for Proctor. So the new AP poll just came out. Ohio State holds at number three behind Georgia, who looked very shaky at home against Kent State, um, and Alabama at number two. Now, the Buckeyes picked up three first-place votes in this week's poll, and they narrowed their gap between themselves and Alabama. The Tide only have a four-point lead over the Buckeyes in this week's poll, for whatever that's worth, right? Look, I mean, we're still five weeks away from the release of the first college football uh, playoff rankings on November 1st. And until then, the AP poll, I think, is the best we've got. So Ohio State holding at number three. Georgia's still at number one. And you've got uh, Bama holding there at number two. Buckeyes closing the gap, though, on Bama, picking up a few more first place votes. And then you've got Michigan coming in at number four. And that brings me to, to a couple other results around the Big Ten that, I, that I'd like to mention before I wrap things up. Starting with number four, Michigan, really kind of struggling at home against unranked Maryland. The Wolverines scratch out a 34-27 win over the Terps. It was a 17-3 game at the half. J.J. McCarthy, quite frankly, looked like a young quarterback in this game. There were moments where he just tried to do too much. He took a big sack in the red zone in the first half of that game, nearly turned the ball over. I thought Michigan was very fortunate. In this game, they were the beneficiaries of some really questionable officiating. The Wolverine defense was awarded two interceptions that both appeared to be incompletions in this game, and they were never reviewed. The first one ended a really promising Maryland drive at the Michigan 28-yard line in the second quarter with the Terps already leading 13-10. to And then, of course, Maryland started the game by gifting Michigan seven points after the opening kickoff caromed off the face mask of their return man. And right into the arms of, of a Michigan uh, player on the coverage team that gave Michigan the ball at the Maryland 10-yard line. The Wolverines would score on the very next play to go up 7 nothing. And look, I mean, after beating the snot out of probably three of the worst teams in the FBS to start the season, I thought Michigan came back down to earth yesterday and really struggled with the first decent opponent they've faced so far this season. And I don't even think Maryland's that good. I'm not even sure if they're good at all. 
And in the end, Harbaugh went to his security blanket in this game. He had to really lean on his run game with Blake Corum. Corum was great. I give him credit. 243 yards rushing on 30 carries, two touchdowns. But I'm not sure Michigan wins this game without him. So, you know, maybe we need to slow our roll on the Wolverines just a little bit. I heard Colin Cowherd say, you know, last week uh, he thinks Michigan's better than Ohio State. And he even had the gall to say that he thinks the Michigan offense is better than Ohio State's or on par with Ohio State. So, look, man, Maryland probably stinks again this year. We know this. Yet, yet, and you know that we it was just a matter of time before they would start beating themselves, and Tunga Bailoa would start turning the ball over, which he did. Yet they put up a pretty damn good fight in Ann Arbor against the Wolverines yesterday. So I thought that was an interesting development. Um, a lot of people have applauded Jim Harbaugh for handling the quarterback situation the way that he did. Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy competing for that job into the you know third week of the season. We know that there's been a lot of turnover on that coaching staff, the defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator, and Michigan hasn't really had to, you know, uh, hasn't really been tested uh, until yesterday against Maryland, and it was a a shaky performance by the Wolverines at best. So um, looking forward to seeing what Michigan is going forward. They have some bigger tests coming down the line to be sure. Another result that I thought was very interesting, how about Minnesota? going on the road and pummeling Michigan State. 34-7. The Gophers outgained Sparty 508-240. to It was a 24-0 game at the half, 31-0 going into the fourth quarter. Sparty scored a garbage time touchdown with 17 seconds to play. Otherwise, this would have been uh, an embarrassing shutout at home for Michigan State. Tailback Mo Ibrahim, who we remember blew out his Achilles against Ohio State in last season's opener, is back for the Gophers. He went over 100 yards yesterday. Quarterback Tanner Morgan, who seems like he's been at Minnesota for like 10 years, he threw three touchdown passes. And the Minnesota defense was just stifling. Right now, the Gophers lead the country in total defense, giving up 188 yards per game. They're eighth nationally in defensive yards per play. They're third nationally against the run, giving up 62 yards a game. And second in scoring defense, allowing only six points per game. And Pro Football Focus loves this Gophers team. They have Minnesota number one in their team grades at the moment, with an overall grade of 97.7. Now, look, uh, you know, obviously you got to take that grade with a, with a little grain of salt, right? I mean, I, I don't even think Minnesota fans believe the Gophers are better than Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. But, you know, maybe it's time to take Minnesota seriously. I mean, at least in the Big Ten West. We'll see. And, uh, you know, on the other side of the ledger, Michigan State, I mean, it's hard to know how good they are. It's hard to, to know, like, just how good their $95 million man Mel Tucker actually is. They were, you know, dreadful again yesterday. Michigan State got it handed to him pretty good the week before on the road at Washington. And, you know, with Minnesota, you do have to take into account that, you know, their three other wins came against New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado, who are all a combined one of 12 so far this season, a combined one victory between those three programs so far this season. So, Look, I I suspect Minnesota is probably a pretty solid Big Ten team and probably the favorite to come out of the West. I just thought that was an interesting result that was worth mentioning. Okay, that's going to do it for me. I'm going to have Paige and Chad on the pod later this week to have a second look at this Wisconsin game. 
and to preview Ohio State's matchup with Rutgers in the horseshoe this coming Saturday afternoon. The Scarlet Knights are 3-1, coming off a 27-10 loss to Iowa yesterday. The early line on that game is Ohio State minus 41. Yikes. You've been listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.